has told me to speak on the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's going to be a word. It's going to be a word. Because it's the Holy Spirit himself. He is going to teach us about his fruits. Uh-huh. It's going to be interesting. But we found God. Um, as, a, as a revival-seeking church, I believe that for what we need to do and the cutting edge we need to have, particularly when we are doing outreach, we are out there winning souls. The gift of the Spirit is very important. The gift is very important. The workings of miracles. These are signs. These are wonders that when people see, it tells them of the uniqueness of our God, the power of our God. And so it is very important. So as a revival-seeking church, these are the things we normally focus on. Okay, so when we are praying, you want to see, you know, workings of miracles. We talk about miracles all the time. We want signs and wonders because it's a sign. It's a wonder, okay? So it's a sign. A sign means it's leading to something. It's pointing to something. And we want people to be pointed to Jesus. So we need these signs and wonders. So we don't often get to talk that much about the fruit of the Spirit because of the emphasis we have in this season. But in this, season, this month of the Holy Spirit, the month of the Spirit, we should talk about the fruits of the Spirit. I believe that the gifts are a sign. Look, a gift, you don't work for a gift. Somebody works it out, prepares it, and brings it to you. That's a gift, okay? If you have to go and beg for it, it's not a gift. <laughs> if you have to lobby for it, it's not a gift. <laughs> you know, so the, for the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says that it's given to all for the manifest, it's given for the manifestation for the profit of all. Okay, so it's not even ours, it's the gift of the Spirit. That is we are the vessels. We are just the channel through, this, through whom the Spirit uses to bless others. So as, as, apart from the speaking of tongues, everything is supposed to be a blessing to somebody else. You know, when you speak tongues, you edify yourself. However, when you're interpreting it's somebody's tongue, healings, normally is sometimes it's very interesting. You see somebody who is a mighty healer and they have some sickness in their body. Sounds like you can't even understand. Because the gift is not this. It's not theirs to choose. Okay, today I'll give you small. Tomorrow I'll give this person small bits. The next day, okay, I'll choose this. And you, today I'll prophesy to you. You see, it will come to pass. No, no, no. It is the gift of the Spirit. But he uses his vessels as a medium, as a channel to bless his people. So that's a gift which we normally emphasize on. But a fruit is a different thing altogether. When you go, you know, Christmas time, some of you will give gifts. You wrap it. The person doesn't know what they're going to get. Maybe they know whatever. But... Is wrapped there. You take it, you unwrap it, you use it. That's a gift. But when it comes to fruit, you can just imagine how long it takes for a tree to mature, for it to get to a point of the bearing of fruit. Fruit takes process. It takes process. It takes process. And God is interested in all of us bearing fruit. When in um, Genesis chapter 1 verse 22, when he created the animals, the scriptures, I was quite surprised to see that God actually blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. I didn't know God blessed the animals to be fruitful and multiply, but he did. <laughs> and then when he created man, Genesis 1 28, he also blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. When God, so this is the beginning, when God created, when God was call, calling out to the called out ones, the people of Israel, when he spoke to Abraham, he said, look into that. This is a man whose wife is barren. He himself is almost out. Yeah. At the beginning, you know, it took a little while before it went kaput. 
you know, at that time, that was the state of Abraham. There's a bit of, you know, on and off. But he was able to produce Ishmael. But by the time Isaac was coming, everything was gone, complete. This was total darkness. But this is the interesting thing. When God was about to separate him and tell him what he was about to do with his life, he said, look at the stars and look at the sand at the seashore. You can't number them. Look up into the heavens. You can't number them. That's how your descendants are going to be. So a man who didn't have much hope to produce, God told him, you're going to be fruitful. You're going to multiply. God is interested in fruits. And then after the sin, when Noah and his sons came out of the ark, the scriptures in Genesis chapter 9 verse 1 said, God blessed them and said, repeated the same thing. Be fruitful and multiply. When God starts anything new, his interest is for that thing to be fruitful and multiply. When Jesus Christ, when he first met his disciples, he said, I am going to make you fishers of men. At the end, when he was leaving, with just a few disciples gathered at his feet, he told them, go into the world, through all entire world, make disciples. He was expecting some fruits. God is interested in fruit. So tonight, if you're seated here and you think, okay, mine is just to do, get my thing, sum myself out, and live my life. No, 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 that's not God. Everything God starts, God is expecting for there to be fruitfulness, for there to be multiplication. Today, we are all part of it. It was just a few Jewish men and women who saw Jesus go up. Today, we seated somewhere else completely far who were once aliens today, we are part of because of the commission of being fruitful and multiplying. When Jesus, let's read this, Matthew chapter 21. This is interesting. Some of us, I'm sure we know it, but it would be good to see it. I used to think about it. Why did Jesus cast the fig tree? Why? So it says, in the morning, as he returned into the city, he hungered. It means he was hungry. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon but leaves only. Let me just give you a background. It is, belie- it is from research says that when you see a fig tree that has got a lot of leaves, automatically it's supposed to have fruits. So that is, it was a deception. The tree had some kind of deception of having leaves without fruit. That is why Jesus cursed it. That is why Jesus cares that if a fig tree has leaves, it means it's supposed to have fruits. But when Jesus approaches, so from far, being hungry, he saw leaves. He said, okay, this tree must have some fruits. Went to the tree and there were no fruits. Jesus cursed that tree. Cursed it for having leaves without fruits. Some of us, we we are in that very state. We engage in activity. We have things we normally do as Christians. But when people come closer, will they find fruits on the tree of your life? It's important. The scripture says that by their fruits, Jesus said, Matthew 7 and 16, by their fruits, you will know them. Not by their leaves, all those things. When you want to find an apple tree, you you might find a few trees that look quite similar. You just have to wait. When it's time for the fruits to come, you know which kind of tree it is. So the fruits that you show determines the kind of person you are, whether you're a Christian or not. But anyway, this is just um, an introduction to bearing fruit and the fact that f- bearing fruit is a God thing. God is interested in his people bearing fruit. It matters to him. 
Galatians chapter 6, so this is going to be the main place where we're going to focus because that's where it shows us the fruits of the Spirit. That's the topic that has been. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 to 24. I'll take the liberty and start from 16. It will give us a good context. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, it said, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the last of the flesh. For the spirit lasted against the, for the flesh lasted against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to another, so that ye, ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these: adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, sedation, heresies, enviness, murder, drunkenness, reveling, and such like, of which I tell you before that I have also told you this time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Is as definitive as that. He said, those who do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So it is wrong for your own sake. For you to say, this person made me do this. This person is upsetting. That's why I did that. Somebody is leading you to not inheriting the kingdom of God. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If ye live in the spirit, ye will also walk in the spirit. Okay, so we have seen two different kinds of people. The one who does the works of the flesh and the one who is bearing the fruits of the spirit. What struck me was that each one of them have something. So he said, works, manifestation, effects, various words that can, deeds, the acts, the actions, the results of whether it's the flesh or is the spirit. So when you see these manifesting in you, you know what is at work. You know, in the faith now, you can't say anything to anybody. Signs and symptoms. Because when you say, they say, you are judging me. I'm not judging you. I'm just checking out your effects, your works, your manifestations. I may call it out, I may not, but this is what is at work in you. That tells me whether you are of the flesh or you are of the spirit. Don't let anybody, don't, don't even bother whether somebody is judging you or not. Judge yourself according to these. Whether how you're living. Whether this day, Thursday, I lived according to the flesh or according to the spirit. Be fair to yourself. Be true to yourself. Then we look at the works, the manifestations, the effects of the flesh. You cannot reconcile it to the fruits of the spirit. It's, it's intentional because one is coming from the devil and the other one is coming straight from God. They can't mix. There's no gray area. There is no gray area. So it's very important that we are all determined and leaning more on the Holy Spirit so that we can bear the fruits of the spirit. The more you are bearing the other one, your flesh is in charge. Self is in control. Self has been exalted. We are in a generation of selfies, isn't it? Self-centeredness. Everything has to be me. I have to be happy. I have to be okay. 
why do you touch me? That's the beginning of all the me thing. Is the reason why there's so much depression. Because if you look at yourself, and if you just take your emphasis off yourself a little bit, and just even small emphasis on God, on the goodness of God, what do you have business being depressed? The world has nothing to offer us. Nothing to offer us. It's only bigging up the self. And the more the self, look, the self is just a reflection of the devil. The devil in heaven wasn't satisfied. He said, I want to put my throne above the throne of God. The more you put emphasis on yourself, you are about to go down. You are about to go down. It's the devil's way down. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The more your focus is on me, myself, I, I promise you, God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. The more you enthrone self, the more you look like the devil. That's a picture of the enemy. That's a picture of the devil. So the more everything, that every time you are opening your mouth, I, me, ask for me. Ask for that, ask for me. Don't say it in church. Like, God is on one side, but ask for me. I mean, let's spell you. Let's spell you. Pastor said, who are you? I mean, it's a, it's, it's, it's a difficulty to understand. And it's too complex that one person thinks they are so big that it's not wise. I encourage you, see yourself in the scriptures. Build yourself up according to the image that God, that pleases God. And build yourself according to that. That's when you know you're going somewhere. So it is a very, as Christians, we have to be very mindful of the emphasis we give the flesh. Very, very careful. And the flesh has to be subdued. Very important. The flesh has to be subdued. It has to be killed. It has to be crucified. Okay, so we are now looking at the fruits of the Spirit. And these are fundamentally attributes of God already. This is the wisdom of God. It's so beautiful. We would see all these attributes that we read about already in God. So as a believer, when you become a Christian, you are given the, the Spirit of God. As he dwells in you, all these attributes are already supposed to be in you. So God is not asking you to bear any fruit that is not already in you. God by his Spirit, who dwells in you, should be able to bear these attributes, these fruits, are, they are already in us as believers because the Spirit of God is in us. And all these are attributes of God. So if we look at the first attribute, it says love. Previously, I think they're teaching around that all of it, it said the fruit of the Spirit. So fruit, and it is some people believe that love and all the others are issue out of love. That's one, you know, theological, as Gosevan would say, um, what? School of thought. Okay. So one school of thought says that the fruit is love. And when you open up love, you see all these. Okay. Another school of thought says is one fruit. Not love. Love is part of it. So one fruit, many aspects. One bouquet, many flowers. In this case, it's nine. One flower, 
many petals. In this case, there are nine petals. So when you have one, when you have the fruit, all of these can bear in you as and when is required all the time because the Spirit of God is dwelling in you. Okay, so whether it's just love with all its, or it's just the Spirit of God who is bearing all these fruits, we must see these fruits. <laughs> okay, it tells us who is at work in you. The Holy Spirit is at work in you, and this is how we get to know. So when we go out, we preach the word. We believe God for signs and wonders. But when people come in, they expect to see the bearing of the fruit. We've, been, we've gone a little further in the journey. So they expect to see. We preach the word. We don't live, necessarily live the, word, we, the gospel. We don't necessarily live. We preach it. The gospel is to be preached. But if you have the spirit of God, it will show. The fruits will, there, will be there to say what is at work in you. Okay? So the first one is love. We all know God is love. First John 1, First John 4, 8. He said, God is love. On the basis of that God who is love, his spirit being in you, he commands us to love one another. John 13, 34 to 35, he says, love one another. And he even takes it to another level because this is the spirit at work in us. Matthew 5, 44, love your enemies. Okay, and this is the agape love. We've learned it quite a bit in K-group. We continue to learn about it. So it's a God kind of love that human beings don't have the ability to. We don't have the ability. This is the love that is born, that comes out of us because the Spirit of God is in us. Most of us love conditionally. Even the tightest husband in love, because everybody is working hard. That's why the love looks so good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If a wife decides to be a very bad wife. You see the way the love will run out of the man's heart. It's a, I mean, it's a matter of days. You see the love starts shaking and then it starts withdrawing. By the time you realize the love is gone. It's a, the only thing is, we are, it looks like we are not meant to, we are not compatible. We have all kinds of ways to, you know, we, we need time apart. We need to separate a little bit. We need some briefing space. Because it wasn't agape. The ordinary human being doesn't have the ability to love life like how God loves. And even the most intimate relationship, which is the marriage relationship, doesn't necessarily have that unless the two of them are committed to Christ. And that's when in that marriage there can be agape. Okay. And that's the marriage that can survive the test of time. People will say, oh, but the other people who love, that's superficial. When it comes to, it comes under fire. It comes up under intense testing. It gives way. That's the human. And, and it's, not, it's not their fault. Because they don't have, we don't, as human beings, we don't have that ability. If the spirit is indwelling, then we can love like God loves. Okay. So based on the spirit being in us, it says love one another, agape one another. So it doesn't matter how the brother or sister is being horrible to you. You have the ability through the Spirit of God in you to love them. The same way, the joy, we all know and we say so often, Nehemiah 8.10, he said, the joy of the Lord is my strength, the joy of the Lord. God has joy. 
Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. There's joy in the Holy Ghost. On that basis, it says, rejoice again, I say. Rejoice. Philippians 4.4. 4. On that basis, that you have joy by the Spirit in you. And he pushes it even further. In James chapter 1, count it all joy. When you fall into diverse trials and temptation, you can have joy even in the face of temptation, in the face of trial. Not because you are superwoman or superman, but the spirit of God that is in you. Makes you look like you are super, but it's the spirit of God who is bearing his fruits through you. Really, my emphasis that I want us to have is that if we have the spirit of God, we can bear these fruits. That's my argument. So if you are not bearing these fruits, if we are not bearing these fruits, we got to check the spirit that is in you. Tonight, that is really the foundation I want to lay. If I lay, I'm good. I can take my seat. We can close. We're happy. <laughs> peace. Jesus calls himself in Isaiah. He says he's a prince of peace. He said, Jesus, he said, I will give you peace that the world cannot give. There's a kind of peace that the world cannot give. The peace of stillness in spite of what is happening around you. Stillness. All is well. It doesn't matter what is happening around you. You are not anxious, irrespective of your, your circumstance. Peace. You are rested in God. Say to the righteous that it shall be well. And you speak it to yourself, you are the righteous. You say, say to the righteous, it shall be well. I say to myself, it shall be well. That level of peace, the scripture says, Jesus said, is a peace I have as the prince of peace. I give it to you. It's a kind of peace the world cannot give you. The world doesn't have that peace. When turbulence happens, clearly you know there's no peace. There is no, I'm sure people are having sleepless nights. There's absolutely no peace. There's no stillness in the system. Apart from those of us who have the peace of God, we are like cocooned and just moving in the system. It's like no shaking, no shaking. All is well. All is well. Indeed, divine stability. We are firm, rooted. All is well. This is the peace that Christ gives us. And therefore, on the basis of that, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 11, it says, seek peace and pursue it. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let it. So there's something about you doing it. Let it, allow it to rule in your heart. You seek it, seek peace and pursue it. Because the Spirit of God is in you. The next point is patience. I won't be able to cover all of it. Um, but not going into detail, but we'll try and see how best we can pick, touch on each one of them. And then how we practically allow the bearing of the fruit of the Spirit. Long-suffering, some versions say, some also say patience. The Lord is patient towards you. We all know it. If God had not been patient with us, none of us would become born again. Because... You, you have these strange ideas that if you were God, you, you smash this person. But the Lord is patient towards us. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. And on the basis of that, oh, Ephesians 4, 2 said, be patient, bearing with one another. Be patient, bearing, tolerating, bearing. It's okay. With one another. It's okay. 
Some Christians don't know how to say it's okay. Let me, let me not drag this. Let this one just pass. Let's pass. The next one is kindness. Psalm 63 verse 3 says, Your loving kindness is better than life itself. Your loving kindness is better than life itself. This is an attribute of God. And on the basis of that, he said, be kind one to another. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32. Be. So, you know, when you, I, we used to sometimes, you read just the be. You know, so you can pick the scripture and just read that. Be this, be this, be that. And sometimes even in our discussion, you say, oh, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We give all kinds of reasons because we have not really connected it to the fact that one is the fruit of the spirit. And if the spirit of God is in us, we can bear those fruits. Okay. So God doesn't tell you to do anything if he hasn't given you grace to do it. He's not like one of us. God is very fair. More than fair. God is good. God is good. This is one of the attributes of God. We say it all the time as believers. We know that the Lord is good. He said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 34 verse 8. Psalm 107 verse 1 says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus was said, good master, he said, nobody is good except God. God is good. Everybody who has been alive for a few days would know that God is good. And therefore, on the basis of that, we are instructed that be, in Galatians chapter 6 verse 10, that be good to all, especially those of the household of faith. And the next point is faith, which is in other versions, faithfulness, which is loyalty, fidelity, honesty, trustworthiness. We have managed to convince ourselves that if you are doing the works, it's okay with God. It's not okay with God. Because it says in the scripture, there's coming that day when people will say that I casted out demons in your name. And Jesus will say, go away from me. I know you not. I don't know you, even though you were in church doing setup, singing, preaching, doing all kinds of things in his name. But he said, I don't, I don't go away from me. I don't know you. Why are you calling my name? I don't know you. Not, not on earth, though. On that day. On that day. Next point is gentleness, which is humility. A gentle edge, meekness. Appearance of loneliness, submission to the will of God and to the word of God. That is how the fruits of the fruit of spirit bear. So in, the, in, in bearing the fruits of gentleness, if some, sometimes I realize some Christians, we are not gentle at all. We are so contentious. Anybody who is contentious is so ugly. It's like you don't leave a matter. You don't leave a matter. You, it's like a bulldog. You can't leave that toy. Sometimes I see some people. And I just love the way they are. It's like very, no, no contention, nothing. If you're trying to argue with them, it's like, don't, don't disrespect yourself in front of me. But it's such an unsightly thing when a person loses that gentle edge, particularly a Christian. Be mindful. You have the spirit of God, you can bear that fruit. Self-control, wow. Uh-huh. Self-control is the fruit of the spirit. It's the fruit of the spirit. You don't have any reason. Unless you say you don't have the spirit of God. But if we have, then you have to then, in the midst of the storm, 
in the midst of the challenge, in the midst of the temptation. You have to battle it with everything you've got. These Christians who are always giving themselves all kinds of excuses and because of this and because of that, you are losing out. You are losing out. God will always be God. But you can imagine the number of times the spirit is grieved. He withdraws. What, what should he do with you? When you are constantly let the devil win again and again. The flesh to be exalted at that point. He said the flesh must be satisfied. God, you stay on the side. Let's deal with the flesh. After that, you can come back in. We are consistently doing this to God. And you come and raise your hands and say, I love you forever and ever. It's not, you're not living it. We know that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But you have the power, you have the spirit of God to bear the fruit of self-control. For some of us, it's a tongue. The tongue. The scripture says it's one of the hardest things to bring under control. One of the hardest things. Sometimes all this part is okay. But this small thing is a dangerous thing. What you will say to another is a dangerous thing. I, one or twice I've had to go and tell somebody, I'm sorry I said this because it's not for your hearing. I've, I've told somebody, I shouldn't have said this. It's not for your hearing. I am sorry. It's not to your advantage that you hear this. And I'm sorry I put you in that position. It's not, you have to be very careful. Very careful. I, I, I beat him. I said, so God, forgive me. I'm not talking about somebody's private issue. No. I'm not talking about somebody, you know, this person has gone to, no, no, no. Self-control. God is the same Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. We see consistency in God. That unwavering nature. He's on the mission. God has been on the mission from the generation, from the beginning of the world, from generations. He's on the mission. At a point, it looked like the mission was going to be lost. No, no, no. Stay consistent. Keeping himself under control until the birth of Christ. So I think, oh, why didn't right at the beginning Jesus come, da, 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 sort everything out? Just a few people would die. No, no. He's under control. He's God, the, that nature of God, where he remains God. That consistency, that level of control. We all have to believe by his spirit. We have that tenacity, that strength, that consistency, that control of keeping on, keeping on keeping on until the end. Each one of us, you have to be determined by the spirit of God, we can do this. So how do you rely on the Holy Spirit? How do you allow the Holy Spirit to bear fruit? Cultivating a relationship with him through the word and prayer. If you don't know somebody, you can't trust him. You don't just go around trusting people. Your knowledge of the Holy Spirit, your close work with him, through the word and through prayer, will build that connection. That's, that, that unique union you have with him. That is what will generate your faith. That you can rest in him for him to be able to bear the fruits through you. Because most of the time, you feel like yourself immediately just kicks in. 
what am I going to do? What did I, just taking a minute to consider what would the Holy Spirit want you to do? How am I being led by the Spirit? How much of the word is influencing me in this decision? Can I take a minute to pray? It's those little things that determine the decisions we make on a daily basis, on a consistent basis. So in the midst of that, you just revert to the Spirit, revert to His Word. If you have prayed, He can drop a scripture in your mind. Oh yeah, now I know what to do. So is that union? You build with him. If we don't have that, it's going to be almost impossible. Because self automatically kicks in. In every situation, self will kick in. The only thing that would dethrone the self is how much reliance we are on the Holy Spirit. How much independent we are of God determines how much the flesh is reigning. The more we are independent of God, the more we are away from God, the more we are not going to live our lives by the dictate of his word, the more the Holy Spirit is not having his way in our lives. So we have to be dependent. Christians are most, some of, should be some of the most dependent people. Dependent on the spirit and dependent on one another. One another. If you come to church, ask for me. I don't like church people. I do my thing and I go. It's not of God. It's not of God. We are supposed to be one of the most interdependent and dependent people. <clears throat> because the life is supposed to be a one another life. It is your relationship with the Holy Spirit. The more you develop it, the more is how much you have faith in him. That he's in control. That you can rest and give way for him to have his way in your life. That even the word that you are believing, it will come to pass. But if you don't have that relationship through the word and prayer... It's like, it sounds very simple. Read your Bible, pray every day. It sounds very simple, but it's, it's the key. It's the key. None of us know God outside this. You don't know God outside this. Prayer makes this real to you. It's like cooking it for, your, for you to be able to consume it, for you to be able to digest it. That's what prayer does. But you can't know God outside the scriptures. So until you are digging deep into the scriptures... You don't have the ability to now rely on the Holy Spirit so that he can bear fruit in you. So as a believer, these are the things that you need to. It's only in the scripture that will tell you that looking on to Jesus. That will tell you, cast your case. I mean, what do we know outside the scriptures? We know nothing. And for it to be real, for it to be rhema, for it to be not just word, but for it to be spirit and life, that's the place of prayer. That the word you read didn't become something that stayed up here, but going down here. That happens in the place of prayer. That the word will come alive and you know what to do. You have strength on the basis of the word. It's because of prayer, at the place of prayer. So reading the word alone and not taking time. To spend time with God. Sometimes he unveils. He picks the scripture and starts opening up to you. And he, sometimes you think, have I heard somebody explain it this way before? You're trying to think, did I hear it? But he himself is opening the scripture after, specific to your particular need. And your particular situation. If we don't have time for that, that is not possible. We'll be running mainly on, even you hear a message, but you don't get the meat of the message. Because it's not texturized in the place of prayer. But we occupy ourselves so much, particularly because of where we are based in the world as well. There's so much distraction. 
If you live here, you can choose to be two hours. You don't know how two hours went because you may be on Facebook. You want something. Something was taking your attention. Something was taking your attention. And on the basis of that, the word you heard didn't get you up. Oh, it's gone. The devil had taken it. It's just like the seed on the wayside. It's gone. You agreed with it. You gave accent to the word in the service. But what you did with it after, what you engaged in after, the devil didn't, the word didn't get time to settle. To settle. You, did, you didn't do anything with it. Because we don't allow, we're not getting, giving the opportunity for the word to begin to digest, assimilate. It's not happening. I really want to encourage ourselves as a church that the word we hear, we have to mix it with faith. And we have to take the word to the place of prayer. It will transform our lives. And on that basis, the Holy Spirit will be able to bear his fruit through us. Because guess what? The spirit of the Lord is in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.